Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I um, want to thank Pizak for this opportunity to talk to the people of God. Amen. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for him. You know, I thank him because he took the risk to allow me <laughs> to stand here and then talk to you people on a Sunday morning. Amen. And I'm really grateful, you know, to him for it and also for the trainings and, and fathering and the covering that he provides. Um, and we also send greetings from them as well. That's Pastor Zach and Pastor Adesola. They are in um, Ekiti State for Fire and Wisdom Conference. And a great work is going on there. Um, I think starting from this morning, actually. So, um, just um, send your shout out to them, okay? Amen. Amen. Okay, so this morning, I'm here to talk to you, not about administration, um, but about something else. I, I believe that the Lord has a word for us, a very simple one at that, um, but it's going to bless your life, and um, you're, going to, you're going to reap bountifully from it. You put it to use. Amen. Um, you know... One of the things that we speak a lot about in this house is destiny, right? And purpose. And um, there's almost anybody, you'll find it very hard. If you're really listening to the word and connecting with the community, you should be working by now with a sense of a call or working by now with a sense of a destiny that there is something that God would have me do. Amen. I, I just said that so that in case you're still not sure that there is a definite call over your life and you've been here for a while, you probably need to take out some time to retreat and pray and ask God what's up, okay? But every single person, not just specific to Glory Center Community Church, but every person that every human being God sends into the earth comes with a purpose. And then in this church, we have heightened that conversation because we are definite of what God has called us to do. So there is a sense of destiny and there is a sense of a purpose. And it's not, we are not even, uh, we are quite arrogant about it, right? We are quite arrogant about it. We, we don't even, we don't say, okay, the sense of purpose, it could be a small thing. We, we don't have definitions to what is small or what is big. Our only definition is my purpose in terms of whatever it is God has told me to do. And as far as we are concerned, anything God tells you to do is great. Amen. Anything God tells you to do is great. So there is greatness already. Greatness already destined for every single person. Greatness already destined for every single person. Definition of greatness is anything God has told me to do. My ability to achieve that is great. Because if, God, if it's God that put that in my heart to do, anything from God is great. Do you get it? So when you begin to think like this, it frees you from competition. In a sense, the person who is picked out from our midst and given a global ministry, so to speak, and the person who is picked out from our midst and sent to Okitipupa, is there a place like that? Okay, all right. <laughs> and I sent to Okitipupa. Nobody is lesser than the other one. They are both great to the extent that you're working in the will of God for your life. The person who speaks from our midst to be a Fortune 500 CEO. And then the person who God has placed in a community like maybe Ojudu to just have a small business that meets the need of that particular community is great. Because before God, 
It's about what I have told you to do. Okay? That's not the message, though, but I just wanted to establish that. Okay? So, we all have been put on the path of greatness. God has communicated greatness to us. God has, in fact, God has already, um, what's the software word now? When you've already, God has placed a code. Is he placed a code now? Written a code or what is it? Embedded a code. What is it? Eh? He has configured the code, yes, into our system, right? It's already wired in. It's automated. And so greatness is already automated for you. Your ability, whether you see it come to pass or not, is about how you align. It's about how you align. And there are many tools that God gives to us for it. Every communication to God when it comes to destiny I know this is the best place for me to stay, Abby, right here, not on the floor. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, so I, I will try my best. Sorry, I'm, um, I'm, I'm a trainer, right? So I like to move in. I'm a trainer and a facilitator, so I like to move in. Well, you will just help me like that to be in my natural habitat. Just <laughs> so every communication from God to us is a communication of purpose and we all have things that God has said to us. Do you get? Um, and there are many resources. When God communicates that, there are resources he also deploys for it to enable us to achieve it. The thing is, most often than not, when we hear that communication, one of the first things we do is we want to run by ourselves because we feel that God speaks to me, I automatically know what to do. How many of us are intelligent people here? Uh, you're not even sure again. Okay, put your hand down. Let's check. How many people are intelligent here? If you're very sure, raise your hand above your head. Aha. Uh -huh. So, literally all of us are intelligent. Some people still put their hands down, but I don't want to tell them because the opposite of intelligence, they don't, you don't want to hear it. Do you get? Now, the trick for intelligent people is an assumption that we know and we understand what to do. When I was a lot younger, my grandmother used to tell me that you're intelligent, oh, but intelligence is not enough. You have to go and look for wisdom. I thought she used to disturb me because in my mind, if I'm intelligent, I should be wise. <laughs> if I'm intelligent, it means I should have sense now. I should be wise. So it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. I'm telling, I was still thinking about it a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, see what this woman told me. It's true, because right now, in this my old age, I realize I have a lot of foolishness. Bless you. I realize I have a lot of foolishness. So you, you automatically think that I'm intelligent now. Okay, so let me give you an example. So imagine that you have an encounter and they tell you that we are raising you up as a kingdom financier. And you know that to be a kingdom financier, it means that you should have, I mean, there's somewhere they will give you ideas to, to make some money, right? And automatically you just feel like, I know how did they take make money now. Like, I know what to do. I know this to do. I know that to do. Do you understand? I know how to go about it. And then you just run with it. It's okay. There are some things that should be common sense. Do you understand? If, if they've told you that you have something to do in the marketplace, common sense is to dust your CV and go and look for work. You don't need another encounter <laughs> to do that. Do you get? But however, there are certain things, certain tools and resources God gives to us that we do not maximize and we don't use. And I want to speak about one of them today. It's very simple. That resource is called advice. 
that resource is called advice. As simple as A, B, C. But you would realize that something as simple as advice ruins people's destiny or makes people's destiny. Simple as advice can determine if you'll be productive or not productive. Can determine if you'll make a mess of your life or make something good out of your life. Advice and the premium you put on it. Very simple, right? Very, very simple. So we are going to look at two stories today and a couple of scriptures, a lot of scriptures, right? Look at two stories today. But first, let's read Proverbs 1. Um, if you have, if you can show in Amplified, I will prefer Amplified. See why I should not have come down. My hand is not. Let me try. Can't do it. My phone. Okay, can do it. You're laughing at me, Abby. Can you imagine? Insults in this life. They are laughing at me. <laughs> oh my God. It's well. It's well. One of those things. I thank God. God bless me with the man that I store. So. I give God all the praise and the glory. When my hand cannot reach, his hand can reach. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate all of you. Mine was the person that was laughing at me. <laughs> Amen. So let's read Proverbs 1. Um, I'd have preferred the classic Amplified. AMPC. You don't have it. Okay. I'll just read from... from um, yeah. So the Proverbs, these are the truths obscurely expressed maxims and parables of Solomon, king of David, son of David, king of Israel, that people may know skillful and godly wisdom and instruction, discern and comprehend the words of understanding and insight, receive instruction in wise dealing and the discipline of wise thoughtfulness, righteousness, justice and integrity, that prudence may be given to the simple and knowledge discretion discretion and discernment to the youth. The wise also would hear and increase in learning, and the person of understanding would acquire skill and attain to sound counsel. So this is why I wanted Amplified, so that he may be able to steer his course rightly. Father, we just thank you for the communication of your word. We ask, Father, O oh God, that you would help us. The words of a man cannot do anything. Only the words that come from you. Only the words that are enabled and empowered by you. We ask, Father, O oh God, that today you inscribe your words in our hearts and let it do its supernatural work in our lives. We ask you to change our lives with this word. Give us light and give us sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So he says that the wise would hear and increase in learning and the person of understanding would acquire skill and attain to sound counsel so that he may be able to steer his course rightly. Counsel, another word for counsel is advice. So every time we read the Bible today, everywhere you see counsel, just switch it for advice so that you may attain to sound advice that he may be able to steer his course rightly. What's his course? Destiny. What's his course? Destiny. What's his course? path. He may be able to attend to sound advice so that he may be able to steer his course rightly. So that he may be able to steer his course rightly. In other words, if he will not hear an increase in learning, if he will not acquire skill and get sound advice, he will not be able to steer his course rightly. 
Do you see it? So you may have every other thing going for you, but if you don't have this, you will not be able to steer your course rightly. And what happens many times is that sometimes we don't think about looking for this first. We only start looking for this when katakata has happened. It's not the first thing that comes to our mind. Someone will say, hey, but Pastor Idara, I actually go and pray to God and ask him how I can go about it. Yes, but our conversation today is not when God speaks to you. Because I've also come to realize that most times when we go to ask God for wisdom, 99% of the time he sends us to somebody or he sends somebody to us. God has wired us to depend on each other so much that he will not give you everything. And to get to this place, I'm already jumping my notes. To get to this place requires a kind of demeanor. You need to first of all accept that you need to be here to get sound advice that you may be able to steer your course rightly. Let's look at Proverbs 12. 15. Then we'll go into our story. Okay. So, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who listens to counsel is wise. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Nobody will agree that he's a fool, Right? Exactly. So even when you're reading it, you never put your name there, you fool. You just say, ah, the way of a fool. That person that is a fool is right in his own eyes. But let me, re- let me just read it again. Those who are right in their eyes walk the way of a fool. But he who listens to advice is wise. For you to listen to advice, it means you go to seek for it, right? Exactly. So... When there is trouble, it's normal to look for advice. But it's more excellent to look for advice before you start the journey. Do you get before you start the journey? I saw a very interesting scripture. Proverbs is quite a very an interesting book. So there's an arrogance of intelligence or ability that typically creates a blind spot for us on our path. And unless God shows us mercy, we can go on a merry-go-round. Intelligence by itself creates a form of arrogance. And the reason why, you know, I, I feel like the Lord will have us learn this is because many times when I speak to I remind everybody that 90% of us are not going to have pulpit ministry. So a lot of God's communication to us as per destiny would not sound like um, 20 angels, seraphims, do you understand? A lot of the communication is not going to sound anything divine, the way we connote things that are divine. A lot of God's communication to us about destiny will actually sound very mundane. And there is an assumption that we know exactly what to do and how to go about it because of our natural intelligence, which is not wrong in itself. But when you put that as the first thing, it limits your ability to be productive in that order. Because it comes with arrogance. It comes with arrogance. Have you seen an intelligent person before? Yourself. <laughs> it comes with, with arrogance. It's actually very difficult to tell an intelligent person 
something, or something different from what they already know. Do you understand? Because there's an arrogance of the, that they can see it through. But men, except if, and that's why intelligent people, until their leg is, until an accident happens, they don't listen to any other person. But God's will for us is not to wait for problems to come. God's will for us is to arm ourselves with counsel and advice from the beginning of our journey so that we can avoid accidents. We don't need to wait for accidents to happen before we go to look for counsel and advice. Let's look at Proverbs 20, 18, and maybe 24 and 6. Then we'll look at our two interesting stories. So, let's look at this. Purposes and plans are established by... Let's switch counsel for advice. Okay, we already have advice again. And only with good advice make or carry on war. Purposes and plans are established by counsel. <laughs> I want it to sink in. I'm deliberately allowing us to read these scriptures at the beginning so you can look at it. And I'm reading it very slowly on purpose. Purposes and plans are established by counsel. In other words, Idara, the things in your heart to do, all the plans you are making can only be established by advice. And you know that advice, you don't necessarily advise yourself. So that diary you have in your house where you've written down the things you want to do and achieve, depending on whether you're digital or analog, everything you have written down can only be established by advice. It's the Bible, right? And it's true. You might have money, but you need advice. You might have an intelligent team, but you need advice. When you look through scripture, you rarely would find a great person that was not surrounded by counselors. You read Ephesians 1, even God himself, God himself, God himself, subjected himself to the advice of his will. God himself does all things by the counsel of his will. So even God puts a premium on advice. In other words, God wants to do something. Uh, he will carry the will and say, will, what should I do? God doesn't do things anyhow. He doesn't do things arbitrarily. He's guided by his will. Even God puts a premium on advice. How much more we, that, you know, we don't know much. At least I know I don't know much. I don't know about you. Purposes and plans established by counsel and only with good advice can make or carry on war. Only with good advice. Not, not with the kind of tools that you have, like the sophistication, sophistication of your weapons. With good advice, you can make or carry on war. Guidance is necessary. And most of us don't want to be guided, unfortunately. Most of us don't like to be guided. 
But guidance is necessary. And guidance is a resource God has made available for us to fulfill our destiny. I can promise you that without it, you go on a merry-go-round. She used to remember when Pizak used to, when Pizak preaches and he says, use an example and you tell somebody to just go. And then after they say, come back. They now say, that is five years. They now come and start again. That is what can happen when you go on your own without counsel. We waste time and we waste other resources. Amen. I hope I'm not boring you. You can't even be bored. Okay. <laughs> Let's look at First Kings 12. So there's this very interesting story. We're going to look at two stories. We're going to look at Rehoboam and we're going to look at Moses and Jethro. Because two very interesting stories. We see people where counsel played in different outcomes. And then we're going to draw our learnings from there, right? Very, very simple conversation. Simple, easy, practical. Take it home, use it. And make profit. Okay. So Rehoboam went to Shechem for all Israel and had come to Shechem to make him, all for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. And when Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard of it, for he still dwelt in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, he returned from Egypt. The next verse. And they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, a lot of boam boams, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the hard service and the heavy yoke your father put upon us, and we will serve you. He replied, go away for three days, then return to me. So the people went. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men who stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived and said, how do you advise me to answer these people? And they said to him, if you'll be a servant to these people today, and serve them, and answer them with good words. They will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel the old men gave him. Instead, he consulted the young men that grew with him and stood before him. So he said to them, What do you advise that we answer these people who have said, Make the yoke your father put on us lighter? Then the young men that grew up with him answered, to the people who told you your father made your yoke heavy, but you make it lighter for us, say this, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips. I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to him on the third day as he had appointed and spoke to them after the counsel of the young men saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I would add to your yoke. He chastised you with whips, but I would chastise you with scorpions. Next verse. So he did not hearken to the people, for the situation was from the Lord, that he might fulfill the word which he had spoken by Ahijah, the Silonite, to Jeroboam, son of Nebuchadnezzar. And then when Israel saw that the king did not hit them, they answered the king, what portion have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tent, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tent. And Rehoboam reigned over the Israelites who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then he now sent Adoram, who was over the tribute. So tribute is a tax collector, right? To collect tax. So the taskmaster over the first labor. And all Israel stoned him to death with stones. So King Rehoboam hastened to get into his chariot and he flee. He ran away to Jerusalem. Interesting story, right? 
So Israel rebelled against the house of David to this day. And this was what led to the division in Israel. So um, he just ruled. So David's house just continued to rule over, rule over Judah and those that stayed in Jerusalem. Um, and Benjamin, I think Benjamin joined them. Then the other 10 tribes went by themselves and forever they've been like that. See how somebody's foolishness divided a kingdom, a mighty kingdom, a mighty kingdom. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, maybe from when um, the elders came to meet him, where he went to speak with the elders. So he consulted with the old men. So they, they, they came to meet him to ask, at, that, make life easy for us. Like, we like your father, cool guy, but your father dealt with us. Like, the yoke on us is, is heavy. Please, just lighten it. Not that we will not do, but just make it easier for us. And he told them, go and, and come back in three days. I personally believe that he already knew what he wanted to do. But he was used to seeing his father tell people that, let me think about it. And then I'll get back to you so that you can play the king. You know, there's something about the king where tell people just wait. You know, I'll come back to you. There's something royal about it, right? It gives the sense of a big man. You know, everybody's waiting on you. Yeah. Um, and then he called the old men that stood before his father. Solomon is known to be the wisest man that ever walked on the earth. So you can imagine the men that stood before his father, the manner, the quality of men they would be. And then they were old. Not just the men, old men that stood before his father while he yet lived. So they have seen many things. They have sight. They have experience. Do you get it? And he asked them, how do you advise me to answer these people? And those ones told him, see, the trick is be a servant to these people. If you serve them, they will give you their lives. Just be good to them. In Chronicles, Chronicles says, be kind to them and they will give you their lives. But immediately, he forsook it. I want you to see something. The next verse, he forsook it. It was not that he had another advice and then he dropped it. He by himself forsook it. Then he called the people that grew up with him and stood before him, what else would they say? If not, what's the way he thinks? So he called the people that thinks like him and then asked them a question so that they could validate his foolishness for him. So it's not look as if he did not consult anybody, but he already knew what he wanted to do. Do you know that sometimes some of us know the people to go and speak to, but we don't go to those people. Instead, we go to the people that will validate our foolishness. Many of us run away from the people that we should go to, but we don't go there. We, we go to the people that, so, you, so that you can still come there and say that, ah, I spoke to some people, Lo. Some of us go to seek for advice just to perfect the drama that I ticked the box, but we do not necessarily really desire it. Because if you desire it, you know who to go and speak to. So he forsook the counsel the old man gave him and he's listening to the other people 
who would validate what he was already thinking. And then he just went with it. And then he lost immediately. He had not even stayed on the throne for up to a year. I don't know, Shao. I'm just, I'm putting it my own timeline. He had not stayed on the throne for up to a year. Actually, this is the first task that we can see that they gave him to do as king. First task, he has already destroyed the entire inheritance his father gave to him. First assignment, destiny has gone. First assignment, destiny has gone. Just because of advice. Just because of advice. Let's look at Moses' story. And then we'll do a contradiction between Moses and Jethro, as in Exodus. So Jethro, head of all that God had done for Moses and, and for Israel, his people, and the Lord had brought them out of Egypt. I think it's a long read, so we'll just go. Next, next, next verse. Next verse. Um, next verse. Okay, so Jethro came with Moses, his son, and his wife to the wilderness where he was encamped at the Mount of God. Next verse. And he said in a message to Moses, I, your father-in-law, am come to you and your wife and your two sons with her. And he went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed in homage and kissed him. And each asked the other of his, of his welfare and they came into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law all the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardships that had come upon them by the way and how the Lord delivered them. Next verse. And Jethro was really happy. So he rejoiced for all the goodness the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So Jethro said, let's go to the next verse. Next verse. Okay, I think I'll read from here. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifice to offer to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So the next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood before around Moses from morning till evening. And Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people. So he said, what is this that you do for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Then Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I judge between a man and his neighbor and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. So his father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people with you, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to perform it all by yourself. Listen now to me. I will counsel you, and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God, bringing their cases and causes to him, teaching them the decrees and laws, showing them the way they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall choose able men from all the people, God-fearing men of truth who hate unjust gain and place them over thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens to be their rulers. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall judge. So it will be easy for you and they will bear the burden with you. 23. If you would do this, and God so commands you, you will be able to endure the strain, and all these people also will go to their tents in peace. Just keep it there. Keep it in, <coughs> in 23. And then Moses, of course, heeded his voice and did that. 
So we looked at the first story, right? Rehoboam, young boy, no experience, doesn't know anything. First tax they gave to him. Experienced people came and advised him. He discarded it. Went to go meet his play group. You know, his play group now. He went to meet his play group. They just told him exactly what he expected to hear because they all think alike. They view things the same way. And then he followed his play group and he just realized that he doesn't have a kingdom again. The king of Israel was running away from Israel. He ran to Jerusalem. Do you get? Second story, Moses, literally the most powerful man at that time on the face of the earth. Nations, every nation, nations that had more resources than Israel knew about Moses and they were terrified. Terrified of Moses because they heard of what God had used him to do in Egypt. So you can imagine a man that has seen so much power. Yeah, I mean, he, you know what Moses saw? It's not normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. He said, just, uh, what did he even do with that water again? He turned red. And then the entire, the whole Nile, the water supply in, um, in Egypt. Sometimes it's good to go and watch some of those motion pictures that depicts that story. Where they want to drink water and then somebody is trying to pour water out from a verse. And then you just see blood coming out. And they're like, hey, hey. That was, uh, you get, just be putting that scene in your mind. You know, Moses just come and say, you will not let my people go. You will not let my people go. You will not let my people go. You see the hand of the Lord. The next thing, frogs are jumping from everywhere. It's not normal. What? You see, um, Moses should be, anybody that is talking to Moses should be afraid to talk to Moses. No normal human being should think of giving Moses advice because somebody like Moses, even Moses himself, should not be a normal person to even say, who are you to talk to me? How can you talk to me? Do you know what I have done? Do you know what I have seen? Do you know what I can do? If he could do that, handling maybe like a million people should, should have been a piece of cake now. Do you get? Should have been like a piece of cake. I, 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 just one, one hand. I not even touch the water. I just, on my stick, I just stretched it out like this. Red Sea opened. What have you done in your life? Do you get it? Moses, by himself, had, I can't even say experience. Experience, but the experience was not even natural. His experience was not natural. But despite that, Moses still had a blind spot. Moses still had a blind spot. His father-in-law that came to speak to him is a, is a median priest. So he was not necessarily a priest of the Lord. <laughs> he was not necessarily a priest of the Lord. Father-in-law that came to speak to him is an unbeliever. <laughs> His father-in-law is an unbeliever. An unbeliever that still had the fear of God. Because when they told him what God had done, he said, praise God. Oh, let me give sacrifice to God. So he, can't, he still understands that, okay, but this is me. This is the God I'm worshipping. But I understand that my son is worshipping this God. This God has done well. Ah, this God, thank you. An unbeliever. Moses, the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And an unbeliever came to meet him, his father-in-law, and told him, you're going to kill yourself. Should you see that thing about where yourself are? It means kill. Like, you will die. Moses, you will die. You, can, you, you might be the most anointed man. You, you, you can chase nations. You can chase nations. You, you can do and undo. You can lift up a city and turn it upside down. There's nothing you can't do, Moses. But you see this thing that you're doing is not good because you're going to kill yourself. Do you think that, won't you have thought, if you're Moses, that how do you know? How come God did not tell me that I'll kill myself? How come... Every time I'm going before God, because I and God, we talk face to face as a friend to a friend. 
how come God did not tell me that? Moses, the way you're going about this, Moses, you're going to kill yourself. You have to take it slow. How come God did not want me? How is it coming from you? How do you, an unbeliever, what do you know about the power of God that you tell me that I'll kill myself? Do you know the kind of anointing I operate under? Do you know the kind of power I operate under? Do you know that I can be kept? Do you know what is called the power of God and the anointing of God? It, it renews my body. It renews my strength. Do you get it? Moses could have replied like that. The man said, if you do this, said, and God so commands you. He even still had the audacity to tell Moses that this is a commandment from God. Moses is the one that went into the mountain to get the commands of God written on a tablet. Moses is the one that went to go and get the commandment of God, handwritten, like he saw the hand of God writing commandments. Moses, an unbeliever comes to tell him, God so commands you that you need to take your hands off. And it came as an advice. It came as an advice. Let me tell you how it came. It wasn't, it wasn't like someone was standing here talking to you. It was in a conversation. He had finished. He came back home. They were sitting outside looking at the stars. Zipporah was cooking food. You know, they were getting dinner ready. And I was like, how is work? Work is good. Oh, like, that, but I noticed something. I saw that from morning to night, you had, and you had like maybe over 200,000 people on the queue today. And only you were talking to all of them. Only you talking to all of them. Ah, this thing you're doing, you're going to ruin your life. They were having a normal conversation. And then he told him, and he now gave him clear advice on what to do. And he said, if you would do this, and God so commands you. God so commands you. The, the advice that would come to you, that would put you in a place to preserve you and make you productive, most often than not, will just come in conversations. And is the commandment of God. And it is a commandment of God. Sometimes we casualize some conversations. I'm telling you. That's why you need to be careful around maybe like men of God or people you know that carry something who just have simple conversations with you. And you think it's just a simple conversation. It's because they are also wise because you can't impose anything on another person. So out of love, they will give you an advice to come like a conversation. But for you, you just say, oh, they just advise me. <laughs> but many times, God commands us through advice. Some of us can just do a quick home, you know, just do housekeeping. And you, real, you come back and you count the many advices that you got. That you just said it was just an advice. I didn't do anything about it. You think about it again. Now I realize that can't pay. I don't know why I like that word, can't pay. <laughs> but what of if I had just tried that? Then you now realize that, ah, that was the mercy of God coming for me. But I didn't take it serious because of how the person said it. And, can tell, and sometimes I tell the person, but why didn't you say it like this now? If you said it like this, I know how they're taking it. But we need help, guys. We need help. Because, you know, because of the hardness of our heart, until something sounds very hard to us, we don't really take it serious. 
Or if the communication doesn't come stand, you know, there's a way communication must come that we now know that, ah, it must, this must be the word of God. Do you get it? You know, um, I was about to say something funny. Don't worry. Let's just leave it. <laughs> when a two atmospheres, many African communities, um, church communities, when um, maybe a word of God is coming forth in your, in church, particularly in you know maybe like apostolic church, you know some of those settings, there's a way the prophecy comes out. Everybody will be fear and trembling. Then when you now watch this word of faith, guys, them Kenny Higgin and the way they just speak, the Lord comes forth, the rain of the Lord is falling. It can be very stern, but because it sounds like music. <laughs> it sounds like music. You just be like, mm. okay. But when you're in those other atmospheres and there's a way the word is coming forcefully, it's as if you want to go under your chair. <laughs> It's the hardness of our it's the hardness of our heart that does not allow us to appreciate simple conversations and realize that there is gold in simple conversations. And realize that God comes for us in simple conversations. Simple conversations. Simple conversations. Many times God comes to us, He's not in thus said the Lord. But because you don't hear it, does said the Lord. It's an advice. So you can put it aside while you're still waiting for does said the Lord. Whereas as far as God is concerned, he has spoken to you. So no matter how much you fast and pray, he's not going to speak to you on that issue again because he has already spoken. The only thing God can do, because he's a very loving father, is that he'll keep staring you back to that place. Do you have conversations that keep replaying in your mind? Yes. It was God that sent that person to speak to you. But we discard it. Many times the counsel doesn't come again in the form that we expect it to come. So maybe someone like Moses, you know, even because Moses was a very humble person. Because you have said, if God wanted to speak to me, he could have come through Aaron or Miriam. Because at least I know those ones hear God. They stand before God. They are, you know, they, are, they have the spirit of God upon them. Why will he come to me from Jethro? I'm supposed to be the one giving Jethro advice. I'm supposed to be the one telling Jethro that, see, this priest of Midian you're doing, that, there is no life in that thing. Drop it. Come and join me. And you know, after Jethro finished speaking, he packed up and he left. It's as if that was the only thing they sent him to come and do. He packed up and he left. Many times it doesn't come to us in the way we expect it. And that's where we need God to help us. You know, when we're singing the song and I was asking God, you know, to help our foolishness and our infirmities and weakness, it's because the world system has taught us how to think, how to define, how to put definition on things. And because of that, we lose a lot of spiritual treasures because we do not know how to define things properly and put them in their place. We don't know how to, what to put value on. We don't know how to count we don't know how to count. 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 How to count. 
So advice comes to us, and many times it's God's command. 2 Samuel 16, 23 tells us about a man called Ahitophel. Sound mind. Sound. But one thing about Ahitophel's advice to you is take it to the bank. If he speaks to you, it's as God has spoken. Imagine somebody will not count that as a resource. And the person is still asking God, what is the way? Whereas God is saying, Ahitophel is there now. Ahitophel is there. Why are you, why are you disturbing me? He, he, go and disturb him. Ahitophel is there. If you take what he says, that is me speaking to you. And we have that around us. But we discard it. We will only appreciate it if it comes in a particular format. But many times, locked in simple conversations is the command of God for us. It means that going forward, you should start listening, ask God for the kind of ear that can hear rightly. Don't treat every conversation as a casual conversation. God doesn't casualize conversations. God doesn't casualize conversations like any kind of conversation. Any kind of conversation. Don't treat it. Don't treat any conversation casually. Because on the other side, a conversation can actually corrupt you as well. So you can't even trivialize when you're having conversations. Anything can happen through a conversation. And many times God is speaking. Many times God is speaking. So counsel advice is a resource. One of the most important resources you need to fulfill your destiny. If you had everything by yourself, you would have fulfilled your destiny a long time ago. The, many, the reason why some of us are still dancing up and down is because we don't know what to do. Amen. So I'm going to just quickly run through maybe like five things on how to receive instruction or advice. Hmm. Let's look at Proverbs 3, 7. Then 1 Corinthians 3, 18. Okay, can you read the first line you see there? Just the first line alone. No, read it like it's the word of God. No, the first line only. That's God speaking to you, right? Say, be not wise in your own eyes. Agree that you don't know. That's number one. Agree that you don't know. First place. And that's the first step. Because we... We sabi. Check get Like... <laughs> In our own eyes, we literally, <laughs> we know what's up. Do you get? But you need to agree that you don't know. Can you see that our Christian life is really a lambic life? I don't know if there's a word like that, but it's lambic. I'll be sheepish. I don't know. I don't like the word sheepish because I, I've used sheepish to abuse people a lot. <laughs> but it's really a lamb. You're literally like a lamb. Do you get? Be not wise in your own eyes. Reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. But the emphasis is on be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise 
in your own eyes. So you need to agree that you don't know. I want to say a scripture in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, 18. You need to agree that you don't know. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you supposes that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool. Let him discard his worldly discernment and recognize himself as dull, stupid and foolish, without true learning and scholarship that he may become really wise. So your first step is, number one, stop deceiving yourself. Number two, just become a fool. Tell yourself that, hey, Idara, I'm dull, I'm stupid, I'm foolish. I don't have true learning and scholarship. I shall say it to myself, whether I believe it in my heart or not, but I'll keep saying it so that I may become really wise. Don't suppose that he's wise in this age. Don't forget our conversation with respect to destiny, right? So we agree that destiny is bigger than us, right? So that's our conversation with respect to destiny. If God put that in your heart to do, first thing you need to admit is I do not know how. Discard your worldly discernment. Recognize yourself as dull. Without true learning and scholarship. First step, that you may become really wise. So the journey to wisdom is to first acknowledge and accept that there's a, there's a stamp of foolishness on you. Right? Yeah. If anybody lives here today and says that I told them that they are foolish, you may be correct. <laughs> so agree that you don't know. Number two. Ask and then seek for it. And be open to it. It's either you ask for it or be open to it. Many times if we don't ask, there's an assumption that we know. Many times, people will just look at you as you continue because we assume that you know what you're doing, right? Because we believe that you're intelligent, you're wise, you're smart. But you should also be open to it because there are times when people will come to you without you even asking, out of love and concern. And they probably see the trajectory you're going on. So Moses and Jethro, okay? Um, Moses did not ask. Because within that community, Moses is the man of God. Nobody could have told Moses that the way you're going, you'll kill yourself. Because all of them wanted to talk to Moses. <laughs> Do you get? All of them wanted to talk to nobody. But God, loving him so much, sent someone outside that system who could look at things differently and then come to meet him to speak. But if Moses was close to it, close to that advice, he wouldn't have taken that advice. And it's possible that Moses would not have lived to the 120 years that he did. He most likely would have died from the stress. You'd have just heard in the scripture and Moses became very sick. <laughs> Do you get? You just hear yeah, Moses became very sick. Then God told him, call Joshua, anoint Joshua. <laughs> but because he was open to it, even though the... The, the, he didn't ask for it because he did not see a need to. He felt he was okay. 
But I, I sense that most often than not, it's rare that people will come to you to just speak to you, except you have put yourself in a place where you can be approached. And that takes me to my next point. You have to be humble, right? You have to be humble. There is something about humility and wisdom. They walk side by side. You have to be humble. You have to be humble. Humility is what makes you teachable, is what makes you approachable. Have you tried to speak to someone that is proud? How, how, how did it go? Anybody, just, anybody wants to share an experience? You want to share an experience? I like the way you describe your experiences. You have a, I, I knew she had an experience. Please, let's get her a mic. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Okay, so talking with a proud person is like reminding yourself that you're a child of God and you have to be respectful and you don't want to abuse the person back. Wow. It's like you're talking to a proud person. For example, maybe... Um, okay, for example, you're talking to a friend now. Like Give me an friend. example of one day uh, experience. No. Okay, okay, an experience. Okay, I remember... It's so funny because I literally wanted to slap the person. Okay, I remember advising a friend not to do a business. You understand? Yes, she she knows about fashion a lot. But the advice then was like, you don't have the money. You understand? Yes, you know about fashion, but you don't really like get the trend. But she was so proud, like she was like, Guy, I know they follow me talk that thing. I know it's not you do. Like, waiting the reason. You you know even know fashion, you know not to dress, you know not to do makeup. Wow. Me when not to do makeup, I did tell you, and I'm like, Alaye, oh, lower, lower. <laughs> So, but at that moment, yeah, it was like, I had to remind myself, like, I can't slap her, I'll go to jail. <laughs> if I beat her up, I will kiss somebody. <laughs> so, it's like, that kind of, you are angry, but because you're trying to, like, show that love. And because prison is real. <laughs> all right thank you it was i wasn't thinking to be that deep <laughs> i suggest a point of prison but speaking to a proud person can be very very stressful actually very stressful and you probably will never want to try it again either way so you just leave the person allow the person go so you need to be humble let's look at james 3 and then look at proverbs 11 too. um okay let's backtrack a bit maybe from 15 yeah, okay, yeah, 13. Let's go back. All right, let's, that's from here. Okay, so who is there among you that is wise and intelligent? Raise your hand. Uh, nobody's raising their hand again. At the beginning, everywhere, hands were raised up. <laughs> who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works. With what? With the humility of true wisdom. Don't worry, let's remove all the brackets, brackets that amplifies to put. With the humility of true wisdom. So if you're wise, you'll be humble, right? But if you have bitter jealousy and contention in your heart, do not pride yourself on it. And thus being defiance and defiance of and false to the truth. 15. So this wisdom is not such as comes down from above. That's anything that makes you envious, you know, that fosters strife. is not from above. It's earthly, unspiritual. Can you imagine how I describe unspiritual? Animal, wait, leave it there first. He? 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 What is this? Oh, boy. So, if you're unspiritual, you say you're animal. Wow. Ah. Ah, ah. 
he so every time you're behaving on spiritual it means that you're you're showing animal tendencies hmm wow wow reading the scripture is amazing though even devilish and demoniacal but that was that's animal something is is serious so for everywhere there is jealousy and contention, there will always be confusion and all sorts of evil and vile practices. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. Then it's peace-loving, courteous. It is willing to yield to reason. So let's keep it there. It's willing to yield to reason. Humility. You have to be humble in your approach. You have to be humble in your approach. Don't be like Rehoboam. Don't go and meet someone to advise you without the intention of wanting to take it. Don't don't waste people's time. When you go to ask for help, don't ask as if you're the biggest man in the world. Go because you know that you need help. Remember we said that the first thing you need to recognize is that you do not know. You must have the demeanor of someone that does not know. Okay? You must have the demeanor of someone that doesn't know. You know, sometimes eh, you can even act the drama as if you don't know. Maybe your mind has not joined you yet in that knowledge. But child just act it, first of all, so that they can talk to you. If you go with a haughty look, if you go with your reasons why you want your way, you'll be left by yourself. I've, most of the mistakes I've made, some I still made recently, were on things that I was so sure that I was correct about. And even when I was being spoken to, I already had my ready defense for why my way is better. After I've made the mistake, I now realize that the other way was better. Do you get it? So you can, have, you can just help yourself and from the beginning, allow yourself, recognize that, let me leave my way aside. And let me ask for candid advice. Let me ask for candid advice. Pisa could always give an example of when we're starting church. And um, Pastor Tunji gave him an advice with respect to um, the finances of church. Very, very different from his spiritual um, experience. And even as the man was saying it, he was like, what's this? Like, because the advice he was giving is to look as if you should not walk by faith. Do you, do you get it? And whereas we were feeling very fly at that time that we were doing everything by faith and all of that. There was no room for planning or anything. But he was humble enough, despite not being comfortable with it in a sense, to just do it just because he asked him and he gave him the advice, so he decided to do it. Just doing that alone saved us a lot, a lot of stress. So sometimes it's not because when they're giving the advice, you actually agree with it. You don't have to agree with it to accept it. You don't have to agree with it to accept it. Okay? You don't have to agree with it to accept it. But you ask for counsel. When it's given to you, take it. 
don't forget that you're a child of God. And your whole life is in God's hands. God will not see you take wrong counsel if you're sincere before him and allow you to continue on that path. If the counsel was wrong and you're sincere before God, he would intercept you and not allow you to make a mistake. But if you always go with a judgmental mind when you're being spoken to and you're giving advice and instruction, it will get to a point where you will cut the flow and you'll be left by yourself. Then you'll make a major accident and start looking for that instruction and advice. At that point, anything they tell you, you will do it. Anything you're told, you will do it. I want to quickly wrap up. The last thing I would say, there are other things too, but this is really important. You need to know to spot who God has sent to you. Not everyone is a counselor to you. Particularly your play group. Not everyone is a counselor to you. And when I say your play group, I'm not talking, necessarily talking about age. Because you could, be, you could be the same age. In fact, the person I'm speaking to you could be older than, could be younger than you, but it's not your play group. <laughs> you understand? We are not all the same age, so to speak. Uh, we are not all 30-something, 20-something. Some of us, we have age. And some of us are ages. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5. Let's look at that scripture. I think 18. I think 18. You need to know those that God has sent to you. Not everyone can counsel you. Okay, I think you should go back. I think it's 12. Sorry, I made a mistake. 11 or 12. Okay, leave it here, 12. So I beseech you, brethren, get to know those who labor among you. Recognize them for what they are. Acknowledge and appreciate and respect them all, your leaders, who are over you in the Lord. And those who won and kindly reprove and exhort you. So you need to know the people that you get counsel from because it can be bad and it can be good. And it's not everybody you're supposed to submit your life to. So you need to be able to spot those to submit your life to. I'm telling you, it's not, they didn't teach it in university. They are not teaching it. It's not in anybody's curriculum in the entire world. <laughs> not in anybody's curriculum. Only God can help you spot this. It's a sincere, a good prayer to pray to ask God, who are the people that you've placed over me? It's a good prayer to ask. The first, and that one is automatic. If you're in a local assembly, the pastor of your church, the eldership of your church is placed over you. So that one is there, right? It's always going to be there. If you go and pray to God, that's the first thing God will tell you. Are you going to church? Which church do you go to? You say you're a member of that church. Oh yeah, what's the name of your pastor? Over you. What's the reason? Over you. Okay? Most often I know that's just going to be about it. Sometimes there might be extras, but that's to be about it. You can also have some other people as well. You could pray to God and say, tell God, you're sending me to IT, for instance. You're sending me to healthcare, for instance. Who can be a mentor? Who can be a counselor? Do you get? Who can you lead me to somebody? Even in your mundane, God can tell you, speak to this person. This person would give you direction. 
Speak to this person. This person will give you direction. You see the mentorship everybody's talking about everywhere. It started from the Bible. <laughs> so it's not a new phenomenon. It's the way God has always ordered it. Every person is supposed to walk with somebody giving them guidance. God has always ordered it that way. So you can ask God, who? I want to know those who are my leaders. I want to know those you have placed over me. I want to be able to spot them and identify them. Like I said, some are already automatic. Your pastors, if you're married, if you're a woman and you're married, your husband. Do you get it? If you work in a place, your boss, to an extent, your boss, you, you, your boss cannot tell you to do something and say that's by the counsel and advice of <laughs> and this thing. I would assist your boss to write your first warning letter, second letter, and then final dismissal. I'll, I'll help them out to write it. Amen. Get to know those who labor among you, those that have rule over you. Not everybody. Not everybody. Don't be like Rehoboam. Don't be like Rehoboam. When they ask you, why did you do it? He said, I spoke to my friends. Which of your friends did you speak to? Which of your friends did you speak to? Your friends that think exactly the same way like you. Even if you spoke to your friends, why didn't you subject what they said to another person? If your friends spoke to you and they said, go this way, and then the elders spoke to you, and the elders told you to go a different way, why didn't you put the two of them side by side to ask yourself, that, what am I, where, where are my friends thinking from? Have they ever, ever, ever sat in a council, you know, ruling over a nation before? Did you ask yourself some questions before you went ahead with it? Know those that have rule over you. Second Timothy 3, 10 to 15. I think I'll just close there. So now you have closely observed and diligently followed my teaching, my conduct, purpose in life, faith, patience, love, steadfastness, persecutions, suffering, such as occurred to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Indeed, all who delight in piety are determined to live a devoted and godly life in Christ. Jesus would meet with persecution that will be made to suffer because of their religious stand. But wicked men and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and leading astray others and being deceived and led astray themselves. But as for you, continue to hold to the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, knowing from whom you learned them. 15. And how from your childhood you have had a knowledge of and been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to, what, instruct you and give you the understanding for salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. In a summary, in spotting those that have rule over you, so Paul was basically telling Timothy that I have evidence to show. You are aware of my life. You are aware of everything I've experienced. So when I am speaking to you, you understand the kind of person that I am. Do you get my point? I, I don't just bear the name of an apostle. I have the marks of an apostle. And it's evident and you can see it. So because of these things, 
I'm reminding you again of the things that you have learned from me. Hold on to those things. So in other words, when we say it's not everybody that can counsel you, you need wisdom to be able to identify. And most often than not, God will show you the things that would enable you to identify. There will be marks on that person. Do you get my point? There will be marks on that person so that you're not just going to someone to counsel you that only has talk. <laughs> don't forget his advice. And advice doesn't just come. You don't get advice from people that only have talk. His advice is instruction. One of the things that begets instruction, advice, and counsel is experience. So God can help you spot people for your life, for your destiny. Do you get my point? Not everybody that works, not everybody that says I'm a man of God is for you. Not everybody that is a global icon, for instance, is for you. Do you get? For instance, I'm sure maybe now some people don't want to be mentored by Zugabeg because it's not looking <laughs> interesting. I'm just giving an example. Not everybody you see on the newspaper headlines is necessarily for you. But some people bear the mark. And then God knows those people. Their life, they can pour forth their life into you via counsel and instruction. And by virtue of what they give to you and deliver to you, destiny becomes easier to fulfill. Not everybody would ever walk the path that you're walking. But there are some people that have walked that path. And you can ask God to lead you to those people. Because when those people speak to you, it's not just, they're not, they're not mere words. They speak impartation to you and they bring ease to your life. Ease to your life. Ease to your life. So I'm just going to close and wrap up. There are many ways we can go about our lives. <laughs> really. There are many ways. But I, I personally have come to realize and appreciate the tool of advice, instruction, counsel, anyhow you want to couch it as a major resource to be able to achieve destiny. Because really, when it comes to destiny, there are many matters that are beyond us. And we can't see everything. Acknowledging that you have blind spots, you can't see everything, and putting yourself in a place where you can receive help can make the major difference in your life. It can literally take you from a 10% to an 80%. I'm telling you, there is hard work. Oh. Destiny requires hard work. But then, there is help that comes. There is help that comes. And if you open yourself to that help, you'll be shocked what the outcome will be. Amen. Thank you so much. <laughs>